Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers on mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. Bible reading is going to be taken from the book of Romans chapter 5. From, verses, from verse 12 to verse 21. When I read, I was, at the end of the reading, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord, and you respond with, thanks be to God. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more the God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> All right. Um, okay. Yeah, in case you are watching with us for the first time, uh, my name is Tommy Olarinwaju. All right. And um, by further introduction, I'm the brother of the beautiful lady that just spoke away. All right. Um, I know you're probably confused. This is your first time, the complexion and all. We can't all be created with perfect complexions, right? Some of us have good ones, some have bad ones. Like my sister. Oh boy. <laughs> By further introduction, right, I am still the shortest preacher here. And I have main friends. 
that will pay back. That's for sure. <laughs> Anyways, um, let's just pray together before I start. Um, Father, we thank you for bringing us to church. We thank you for this Friday that is good. We are grateful for what you did to make it good. Lord Jesus, we're going to be discussing, we're going to be hearing from you. We ask, oh God, for every stony heart, we ask that you break and your seed be planted. For every heart where there are tons and thistles ready to choke out the world, we ask that you separate them. For every birds of the enemy, Pose to steal the word of God from our hearts. We ask, oh God, that you scare them away. In the name of Jesus, we ask that your word will spring forth in righteousness. Your word will spring forth and we will remember once again why this Friday is Good Friday. And we can say boldly, not like the secular world, but like Christians, thank God it's Friday in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. All right. All right. Um, now, people in my age group, we have certain things we say a lot. One of the things we say is um, adulting is hard. We just say, like any small thing, adulting is hard. It's just, just terrible. And we combine that with um, the feeling of the fact that the nation is not so good. We say adulting is hard. Nigeria is hard. They didn't tell us it was going to be this hard. Nobody prepared me for this adulting business. In fact, uh, last week, uh, I was on Instagram. Yes, preachers do Instagram too. All right. And then there was this um, post I saw, and someone wrote something just talking about how bad things are. And she said, concerning her dog, probably. She said, um, my dog, my dog, all the bills of my dog gets paid. My dog is a bill itself, not paying any bill. But then this dog has sighed three times in three minutes, just thinking about how bad the situation is. <laughs> times. Aha! And what many of us do when we long for, oh, they didn't prepare us for this, is that we long for a time where we didn't have to handle anything. We long for a time where there was no much responsibility. We were not accountable to much. Just go to city kids. Just look at those kids. Happy. <laughs> smiling. They're just smiling and they're just happy. They're smiling and all of them are just, oh my God, he's just so cute. Try that as an adult. Like, you think you're retarded. <laughs> Or they start to cry, and everybody freaks out. Oh my God, what do you need? How can we please you? And you're like, <laughs> I give you 20 years. Oh, I think. <laughs> in this, um, in City Church, we have two friends, um, Tedo and Toki. And normally they whine each other, they say, My Lord, my Lord. Those guys are not lords, the kids are lords. Right? They are the true kings and queens. Because whatever happens to them, everything is handled. On their behalf, we long for those kinds of periods. Every time I travel home, I traveled home last week, I always go back to my former neighborhood. Because I just, I just want to remember a time when there was no pressure. <laughs> I, just, I just want to, honestly, I, got, I still went home. I still went to my neighborhood again. I just want to remember so I can come back with renewed energy to face this pressure that is still waiting for me. <laughs> we long for that time. We long for that time where our life was fully funded by somebody else. <laughs> Adulting is hard. You go on one date with your girlfriend at the beginning of the month, your, your credit, your account balance, zero. Just one date. One date. <laughs> I'm not saying my girlfriend is expensive. I'm just saying that. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm, 
You missed the point, actually. You point to another thing is hard. What's wrong with you people? We long for that time. But even when we were at that phase, there was something we always struggled with. Our parents will not fail to remind us that I'm funding your life. So one particular day, I did something really stupid. It was very stupid. I, even me, I knew that, ah, ah, no, no, God. I did, no, this was dumb. Very dumb. You know the kind of offense that you do that make your parents lose composure? You know, there's a way they correct you. told me you shouldn't do, like, if my dad freaked out. Those kind of offense that you do that make your parents change their language. So if they normally speak native, your native language, they switch to English to correct you. And they speak English, they'll speak to your native language. So my dad speaks English. When I did that, he changed to native language. With phonetics, Yoruba phonetics. He said a lot of things that they just, well, I deserve them. Terrible stuff, terrible stuff. But one thing he said that I will not forget is this. He said, in Yoruba, in English, that means, is this the child we are suffering for? <laughs> See, what my dad has figured out is this. That the only reason why I, why I had the infantry to do that kind of stupid thing is that I've forgotten that somebody was suffering so I could live the life I was living. And many times we are here, we are living in less hopelessness, less assurance in what God has done for us. Why? Because you have forgotten that somebody is funding that life. Many times we are living in sin. We are living in unrepentance because we have forgotten that somebody died so that you can have that life. It is my prayer today for those of you that are walking in um, less assurance, in hopelessness, in needless pain, in needless fear, that as the world is going forth, that the Lord will remind you that you don't have to handle anything because someone has handled everything in the name of Jesus. And for those of you that are walking in unrepentant sin, or you're a non-Christian here, I pray you hear the words of heaven saying to you, is this the person we suffered for? Because in 2 Peter chapter 1, the reason why you're not growing in godliness, according to that text, is that you've forgotten you've been cleansed from your sins. The reason why you're not growing in godliness is that you've forgotten that you have been bought at the price. And this is why Good Friday is important. It's a day of remembrance. It's a day to remind us that somebody paid for the life that you have right now. And that leads to the title of our sermon, Life by Death. Life by Death. And we'll be examining this under three headings. I've not done this in a while. Life by Death. First point, victims or villains. Second point, Vicarious death, third point, victorious life. So I'll say that again. First point, victims of villains. Second point, vicarious death. Third point, victorious life. All right, so victims of villains. So just, we're in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, right? But just like a quick summary. So Paul starts the book of Romans by talking about what the gospel is. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation for the Jews and the Gentiles. The Jews are Israelites, the Gentiles are the rest of us, right? And so he starts to write and talk about the things that the Gentiles did that caused them to be condemned. They knew what the right thing to do was, and yet they disobeyed. They went after their own passions. They made gods in their own image. They made gods in certain images and started to worship them. In Romans chapter 1, verse 32, the Bible says that they know that the righteous acts, that the, right, that the righteous wrath of God comes upon those that do these wrong things. Yet they do them and even appreciate those that continue in them. So the Gentiles are condemned. But not just the Gentiles, the Jews as well. 
The Jews were given the law. And yet, every single time they broke it, Paul, in fact, said concerning them, he said, you tell people not to steal, but you go ahead and steal, talking to the Jews. You tell people not to lie, but you go ahead and lie as well. In this way, the Gentiles have sinned, the Jews have sinned, everyone in Romans 3, 23, had fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone, no one was seeking God. Everyone was doing as he has proposed in his heart. The Bible says their feet were swift to do evil. And many of us understand that part. Our feet being swift to do evil. I never thought about how, how difficult it is sometimes to actually sin. The amount of planning you need to do just so you can do that wrong thing. <laughs> or the amount of planning you need to do to sustain that wrong thing. They were like us. We have all sinned. But Paul didn't leave us there in verse 24. He says, we have been justified by faith in Christ Jesus. And then it talks about how Abraham also was justified by faith. Abraham received righteousness by faith. We are also children of Abraham if we put our faith in Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. And it's all going so well. And in chapter 5, Paul starts to say, Oh, therefore we rejoice in the hope that is to come. We rejoice even when we suffer. We rejoice in God because of the reconciliation that has occurred, because of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Then we get to verse 12. And in verse 12, Paul reads, Paul says, okay, can I, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and you're just like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I mean, I get when I sinned, and I am being condemned, and I am guilty, and someone needs to die for me. But what's this thing you are saying about, um, therefore, because of one man, sin entered into the world? And many times you look at that, and you're like, no, this doesn't make any sense to me anymore. I mean, I understand if I did something wrong and you're punishing me. Why are you punishing me for the sins of another person? And many of us understand what it means to be punished for the sins of another person. I don't know if you have been in that kind of situation before. I remember one time, again, with my dad, I was, um, I was being naughty. It was those teenage years of rebellion. And, um, and something happened in there. Something went missing. Something went missing. Naturally, my daddy assumed that I did it because I was angry. So, I mean, he freaked out, he raised doors, everybody was angry, mom was freaking out. The dust settled, I went to the room, and um, the second born came to meet me. <laughs> um, she said, I, I, th I think I mistakenly threw that thing away. <laughs> First and foremost, we need to all conclude that second born seems to be farther away from the kingdom of God than the rest of us. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if you're a first born, you understand what I'm talking about. Those people are bad people. But then, I was feeling like, why exactly am I having to suffer? Because of your own stupidity. Because of your own mistake. And many of us are feeling that we're going to, we begin to feel that way concerning Adam as well. Because the Bible said, um, death spread to all men because of one man. Not just simple death, not just the death of physical death. Talking about every form of death. Talking about eternal death, spiritual death. Death in our families, death in our homes, death in our societies, death in our workplaces. Because one man did something wrong. And yet we are being charged with sin. Yet we are being charged with being guilty because of one person's sin. This seems ridiculous. It's almost like this. So um, imagine, this is a very good example. Um, I'm not having anybody. Imagine me... Or like Tom and Tomoa. All right. We're in a room. Tomoa does something to me. 
as he always does. And I snap. I mean, it was very bad, so I snap. And the light on says, you shouldn't snap, it's wrong. The response will not be, I know I shouldn't snap, but see what he did. No, that's not what I'll say. I'll say, didn't you see what he did? That's where I'm going to go. Why are you blaming me? Didn't you see what he did? In the very same way, we can read this text and begin to ask ourselves, why is God blaming us? Didn't you see what Adam did? Why are you blaming us? Why are we being charged with evil? We are not the bad guys here. We are victims. We are not the bad guys. We are not villains. We, I mean, because of sin. Sin entered because of Adam and now sin is in us. It's not me that caused it. And so the question comes, are we victims or villains? Are we actually victims or are we the bad guys? And this points to two different kinds of people in our societies. Those with the villain mentality and those with the victim mentality. So those with the villain mentality are those that will tell you, you know what, I did it, I messed up, I know. It's my fault, I'm going to take responsibility. It's not because of any other person's actions. It's not because of any external force. There is no excuse for mediocrity. There is no excuse for my sin. It's all me. And in the very same way, when or if they succeed, there is no excuse for it. I made it up myself. I did it myself. No external force contributed to this. That those that would claim that they are self-made what? Millionaires. No one contributed to it. But then there are those with the victim mentality. There are those that they are never guilty. No matter what happens. No, I am not guilty. And many of us are in those shoes. It is always your spouse. It is never you. It is always your parents. It is never you. They are always the ones at fault. It is always your employer. It is never you that did something wrong. It is always your employee. It is never you that did something wrong. Always bring it home to Nigeria. It's always the government. It's never us. It's a victim mentality. And many of us have these kinds of mindset, even in the church, even ministers of the gospel. It is a good thing that our boss is not in our preachers, but in Christ Jesus. Because sometimes, I, I mean, um, I think 2020, uh, there was this news that broke out of a man of God who died, then news came out about the things he did before he died. And the excuse he gave for the um, adulteries he committed and the wrong things he did was, it's not my fault. Ministry is hard. It's not me. Ministry is hard. I mean, we admit that ministry is hard, but it's not me. I didn't do anything wrong. It's that kind of mentality that we all like to work with. But Paul will not let us escape because if we go back to verse 12, can I project verse 12 again? Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all people. Why? Because all sinned. You are not just a victim. You are a villain. Everybody should carry their cross. Sin entered because of Adam. Sin and death spread because of you. Yeah, that's what it says. Sin entered because of Adam. Death entered because of Adam. But because you sinned, sin and death also spread. And maybe you are here, you are beginning to think, well, I mean, this, this, doesn't really, this, this doesn't really make any sense. I mean, I still get, but like, I get, but I don't get. Two weeks ago, something happened in this, um, this country. Um, a gospel artist died because of domestic violence. Many of us are familiar with that story. Um, what people say is that the husband kicked her in the chest. And I, I have really thought about like the kind of mental shift that needs to happen in your head for you to be able to hit the one person you have vowed to love and protect. It's crazy. 
very bad. And the social media has just blown up. Everybody is angry. But can I say something? Let me learn before you judge me, all right? Many times, the abuser is that way because they were abused. Hold on. Hold on. Let me finish. And so because they were abused, the only way they know to, access, to, to, to express themselves, the only way they know to react when their authority or their opinion is being challenged is by physically harming somebody. But guess what? Nobody cares. I don't. You don't. Why? Because you cannot eat anybody regardless of how your history is. If we can make that kind of judgment concerning that situation, why can't God make that judgment about this situation and Adam's own? He has to be able to. Because even though, yes, Adam sinned and that's what affected things, but you also sinned. You were abused, but you're also the abuser. Many times, what we have done is when God sent his word, we have kicked that word in the chest. What is he supposed to do? Watch us. I was talking to an older friend in church here. I can't remember the context, but emotions were high, and he said something. He said, if anyone hurts my family, I will kill them. Now, you can debate that should a Christian ever say something like that, but think about the emotion. Don't what he said, yes. Think about what the emotion was feeling there. That, I, that this is somebody I value. The Bible says God honors his word more than his name. We have kicked his word in the chest. What God is supposed to do to stop the evil, to stop the spread of sin, is to actually stop us. Because by the one spreading it, so it makes sense that God then judges with death. And you can never say, fine, fine. We are sinful. Yeah, I get that. But we didn't create that principle where because somebody else did something wrong, I'm not being affected by it. Why did God create that principle in the first place? I mean, I could fall by my own sin. That makes sense to me. Why am I falling? Because of another person's sin. Simple answer. I honestly don't know. I, I have no idea. But maybe this will help us. I attended um, Obafemi Awolowo University. Great effect. Ah, of the greatest Bagba. <laughs> Anyways, it's church, it's church. Holy ground, holy ground, holy ground, holy ground, holy ground. You may not be angry. I'm not being, I'm not being, sorry. Anyways, who are you? Uh, Obafemi Awolowo University or University of Ife? Um, whichever one you prefer, depending on the time you were born. Uh, <laughs> I'm tempted to say Pastor Femme will call the University of Ife. Just... <laughs> anyways, 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 that's a joke. That's a joke. OE is committed to um, chunking out excellence. Where? <laughs> I'm sure you know a lot of people that are laughing. Right. OE is committed to producing um, people that push the society forward. And we're known for that. I said you want to lie. One other thing we are known for. <laughs> Some of us are willing to pay the price for progress. Anyways, one thing we are known for is a looter. A looter against all oppression, forward ever, backward never. That's what we are. What that means is many times you have a lot of politically inclined people in a way. 
they talk well. No, have you seen, I don't remember in university, people that do politics, there's a way they jolly talk. Before they say three lines, they would have quoted him on account two times. You know, do you remember? And then there's a way they draw their words, just draw it. So I had this friend, there was this issue in his family one time, I had this friend, he was politically inclined. And so he started talking, he was talking, and in my mind I'm like, shut up, that's not the way you talk in the room. Anyways, anyways. He starts to talk, he described the problem, he described how we got there. Everybody was like, mm, oh, wow, this is terrible, terrible stuff, terrible stuff. And someone shouts from the back, way forward. <laughs> what that means is this, you have described the problem well, and we understand why we are here. What should we do? And many times, that's the way we come with this issue. I don't understand how we got here. I don't understand why Adam's sin is supposed to affect us. But what is the way forward? That's the right question. I don't understand how we got here. Many times we get so caught up with how we got a particular situation. You are too tired to even explore the options to get out of it. Or maybe you are here, you are then asking questions. I'm not saying questions are bad. Please ask. We do Q&A here. There is no Q&A after service, by the way. But we do Q&A. So we encourage questions. But there are certain questions we can ask that are not inquiries. They are confrontations. Oh, why would God do that? You don't want to know, really. You're actually challenging him. And for some reason, you feel that your 20-year-old mind, your 80-year-old mind, can make judgments upon the system of justice in the universe that existed before you were born. You don't even know where your car keys are. Let's start from there. <laughs> I'm sorry, I already realized. No, you don't. You don't know all things, and for some reason you feel that, oh, the way God is running things is not good enough. I have ideas. You see, God, eh, I'm looking at the way you are running this universe, and I'm like, uh, it's not so good. Speaking of arrogance. And before you think, Christian, that, oh, those bad, those non-Christians, let's talk to them. Even us. Every sin is a confrontation, and you are telling God, I don't like the way you run this universe, I'll run it my way. God has said to you that no sexual intimacy outside of the confines of marriage, but you are smarter. At least I'm going to marry the girl, so. God has said to you, do not lie, but you are smarter. All I did was, I just didn't say the truth, you know. <laughs> do not lie, but we'll find you cheating in examples. You are smarter. No, he's just helping me. That's all he's doing. Oh, really? Why are you hiding it then? Why don't you ask for permission? <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Femi has an idea I want to show you. <laughs> <laughs> I want to show you. If I'm not offering that idea, you will fail. Because I don't... <laughs> we have sinned against God. And we do it every day. And we go back to Genesis chapter 3. When Adam sinned, what did God do? The Bible said he cast him out of his presence. He cast him out of the presence of life into death. Check the pictures of hell in the Bible, in the Gospels. There are pictures of being cast out. Hell is a real threat. It's not fake. One of our confessions is that we believe that hell is eternal conscious punishment in hell. For the actions of people, when you sin, hell is the right judgment for what you've done. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, let me, let, let me just show you how bad this is. Matthew 25, 41. Then he will say to those on his left, those, are, those that have sinned, depart from me, you who are cursed, 
into eternal fire. Prepared for who? The devil and his angels. The devil and his angels. The devil is a spirit. Think of a fire that is painful enough to hurt a spirit, not your body. And then you should think it's just physical fire, so you try and test it. Ah, no. No, that's not it. It's worse. It's worse. And you might then say, I'm so hell because I just told one small like, you I mean, what have I done? I've not done much. I'm, I'm not bad. I'm not deserving of death. Like, I'm not Hitler. I didn't kill six million Jews. But I'm still going to say that we all have a little bit of Hitler in all of us. I'm not going to body now. Body now? <laughs> boarding house. How many of you went to boarding house? Yeah. I like on YouTube. <laughs> really? That explains a lot. <laughs> that wasn't meant for you, it was meant for Tommy Watson. Anyways, um, horror stories. Horror stories. I, I remember one time, I, um, a senior student took a rope, right? And he um, took a junior student that was sh- short, so he, he was in GS1. And um, you know that this double bunk and everything. And um, he tied the hands of the junior student to the top bunk. And he started beating the child. Many of us just watched. Do you really think that a mind that can conceive that kind of a thing? If he has the power, will not kill six million Jews. Or the mind that can remotely think that is appropriate will not. Six million Jews, death of six million Jews, will be the least of your problems. Or maybe that is too far. First bonds and second bonds, sibling rivalries. We fight a lot. We do. But you know, they get to a point. It gets to a point where it's no longer a fight; it's a beating. First bonds understand this. And I honestly have to apologize to my baby sister before I preach to someone. Because there were times where I wasn't, wasn't was, I was beating her because she challenged my authority of a 10-year-old. <laughs> think about that. And think about what would happen if that kind of a mind was given the keys to a nation. There is Hitler in all of us. All of us. And this is what God has to clamp down on. Power is not the issue. In fact, the reason why you are not an Hitler probably is because you don't have power, you don't have the time, you don't have opportunity. That's all. That is not the problem. It only amplifies what is there. So God needs to clamp down on that. That little lie that you have told. Oh, it's just a small lie. It's that same lie you will tell when there are actually bigger consequences that can lead to the death of other people. It's what you will still do. It needs to clamp down on that. It needs to destroy death before death destroys the world he has created. But what you think the problem is, determines what you think the solution is. So many people look, many people look around and are like, uh, okay, I get you. I, I get you, Tommy. I get you. What we need is better education. Maybe if people are progressive enough, and this is the worst. If people, your problem is you're too traditional, you're not liberal, you're not progressive enough. Let's give people education. You give a sinner educa- education, it becomes an educated sinner. That's all it is. 
He's only wiser and better in perpetrating the evil he wants to do. And if I'm religious about this, you can say, you know, what we need is a prophet that will tell us what to do. Or maybe we come back home to Nigeria. You know what our problem is? Bad leaders. We need good leaders. We need a good justice system. We need, if we have a good justice system, then crime rates will just drop. People will no longer do things that are bad. Mm. We all know that's not working. So in your mind, if you want to be religious about it, you might say, oh, we need a king. But that's not our problem. Our problem is that we have sinned against a holy God. And the solution is that we need an office that can act in vicariousness. We need an office. We don't just need a king. We don't just need a prophet. We need a priest that can stand between us and the wrath of God that we deserve and actually take death away from us. And that's what leads to my second point, vicarious death. Vicarious death. Many of you don't even know what vicarious means. That's fine. I Googled it too. All right. We're good. We're good. Vicarious simply means um, acting on behalf of another person, sort of, or acting through somebody, but we're not using that definition. We're saying acting on behalf of somebody else. So go back to the text. Verse 12 again. Verse 12. Can we, can we have that? Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, immediately you expect the verse to say, oh, just as sin entered the world through one man, another man... Blah, blah, blah. You get my point? Right? So, just as sin entered through a man is pointing to something else. So, for example, if I say, Emmanuel, just as Emmanuel entered the all through the door, Pastor Femi also, because it's the one I can say, Pastor Femi also, and you get it's pointing to something else. So, this phrase here is pointing to something else. It's pointing to, um, pointing to something else. This means that, this means that the, it's pointing to the fact that the vicarious nature of somebody's disobedience, that is Adam, is actually pointing to the vicarious nature of somebody else's obedience. That's what the old text is talking about. It's comparing just as sin entered through one man, life entered through another. What we actually consider the problem, vicariousness, that, oh, somebody's actions can affect us, is actually the solution to our problem. Because if nobody's action can affect you, then you cannot get life. Someone cannot pay life on your behalf. This is actually, in, in short, in a sense, in a sense, God, before we even sinned, if that principle existed before we were made, God, before we even sinned, had made provision for our sin. Because that principle existed before we were even born. Yes, we deserve death. But because of somebody else's action, life can come to us. But that life has to be sufficient. It has to be able to cover all our sins and the sins of everybody. And so we go to Adam. When Adam sinned, when Adam sinned, the Bible says he was naked and he clothed himself with fig, fig leaves and, um, and God then, well, sort of removed the fig leaves and covered them with animal skin. So in a sense, something died so that Adam can live, in a sense. And that lamb was sufficient for a couple for that instant. But sin and death continued to spread. And so we get to Egypt and we have the Israelites who are now victims, actually. Slaves in Egypt. But God comes and says, I'm going to give you a lamb. Slaughter that lamb. Put the blood on the lintel of your house. But that lamb is sufficient for a family. 
for that time, because at that time, death will pass and it will pass over you. But death and sin still spread. And so the story continues. We get to the Israelites in Canaan land and God creates a day of atonement where one particular animal will be slaughtered for the sins of the whole nation. For one year. It was sufficient for just one year. But as the story continues, we get to the peak in the new covenant. On the dusty roads of Palestine, John the Baptist sees a man coming. He says, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the whole world. That Lamb's sacrifice is sufficient for everyone. In Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12, the Bible says, But when this priest had offered for all time, how many sacrifices? One sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus is the ultimate victim. Like a sheep led to the slaughter, he opened not his mouth. He was betrayed, beaten, mad, and scorned. He did scorn. He did nothing wrong. And yet, death came upon him. But in that very same instance, the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured that cross. He despised the shame and he seated at the right hand of God. Just think about that a little bit. What joy was set before Jesus? And many times people think, oh, it might be the crown, the right hand of glory. But many times when the Bible describes what Jesus died for, he says he died for you. The joy is that the joy is that God is going to bring many sons and daughters to glory. Jesus' joy was that someday Shell will not have to pay for our sins anymore. Someday Shell will not have to pay for their sins anymore. I have paid it all. That's the joy Jesus had. He was thinking about you. Upon the cross, on that day, the son could not behold what was happening. Because this ultimate victim didn't deserve what was happening to him. The son turned his face away. Jesus experienced a casting away so that you might experience a being brought near. Upon the cross, Jesus experienced the pain of the father turning his face away from him. And he cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He experienced that so that you can experience the reality of the ironic blessings. The ironic blessings says that may the Lord lift up the face of his countenance upon you. In the old covenant, it was a prayer. In the new covenant, it is your reality because of what Christ has done for us upon the cross. Jesus, God, lift up the face of his countenance of life upon you, expelling death from your life. We all broke the laws of God. We all broke it. We, we all sinned. And there is a charge against us. And that charge contains our death, how much we hope. And that charge is standing in the way of life. So anytime we want to get to the way of life, that charge comes up and says, you've not paid the price. You need to die. That reminds you of Adam and Eve. Jesus, God, created, put a cherub, a cherub and a flaming and a sword on the path to life. Such that if anyone is going to get to life, death has to happen. Death has to happen. And that's the charge against us. That Shola cannot enter into life. Um, Bumi cannot enter into life. Or Tomua cannot enter into life because there is a charge that is blocking the way. But again, upon the cross, Jesus took this charge. Colossians 2, 14, give it to me. Upon the cross, Jesus took this charge. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. What does he say? He has taken it away and nailing it to the cross. 
Two things went to the cross. Christ and the charge against you. Only one thing came down. Christ. Your charge remains upon that cross. So when the devil comes to you and says, see, this is what you owe. This is the charge. You can tell him that is a fake document. The original document is still upon the cross and it's too high for you to bring it down. Too high for you to bring it down. You are taking it away. The Bible says we shall bring a charge against God's elect. God is the one that justifies. No one. He paid that death. This means, this means, just hold on a bit. This means that, this means that as Jesus was drawing his last breath upon the earth, a credit alert rang in heaven. And the narration was this. Wisdom, sin, past, present, and future paid in full. Because of the breath, the last breath of Jesus, another credit alert rang in heaven. Bumi sin, past, present, and future, paid. And that's why the hymn writer says, Jesus paid it all. All to him I hold. Sin might have left the crimson stain. What did he do? He washed it white as snow. Oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the grave because of the price that is paid. In, in a sense, or rather in the actual sense, we have life by the death of Jesus. And this leads to my last point, the victorious life. The victorious life. If this is all that Jesus did upon the cross, it's fine. We're actually really, really okay with it. There it is. But one thing you notice in the text is that there is a comparison. There's a comparison that the actions of the actions of Jesus and the actions of Adam might be similar in nature, but they are different in effect. The effect of what Jesus did was much more. And that's it. That, that, those two words appear a lot. Much more. Check verse 15. Verse 15. Can you say it? But the gift is not like the trespass. For if, by, if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more the God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many. Go to verse 17. You see the idea of much more again. Verse 17. Thank you. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through the one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant permission of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man? It means that Jesus didn't just cancel our debts. He credited our account moving forward. He paid much more. Go back to the analogy I gave. What we all want is that somebody should fund our life. Upon the cross, Jesus, by his death, has credited your account and your life has been fully funded. So when the devil comes to meet you and he says, you hold, say, charge it to his account. He says, oh, you're, you fell into addiction again and you sinned again. Say, no problem. Charge it to his account. If we say we have no sin, we lie and the truth is not in us. But if we what? Confess our sins. He's what? Faithful and just. The blood of Jesus Christ is as potent today as it was 2,000 years ago to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Yeah. And maybe you are here, you are saying, um, I've, 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 done, I've done, I've done, you don't know what I've done. I've, I've messed it up. There's not much more. And then not much more. Go to verse 20. Much more. 
The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. This is what it means. You can never outsin the grace of God. Your sin can never build a dam strong enough that the grace of God cannot break through it. It means if your sin and the grace of God went to a wrestling match, your sin would tap out first. It means that you cannot outsin the grace of God. And you're saying, oh, I've, I, okay, yeah, yeah, I get. But you don't know how bad I have been. I'm running up now. Let me tell you a story. A story was said by a pastor. Um, I don't know if it's true or not, but it's, 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 great, it's a great story. Um, in Rio, there's this, um, there was this woman who had a daughter. Rio is a city. But she was living at the outskirts, probably. And um, she knew that someday her daughter was going to leave for the city to go and um, for a better life. So one day she went out of the house, and before she came back, the daughter was gone. She knew the city was dangerous, so she went after the daughter. She went to, to the studio, took her pictures, printed lots of them, not the picture of the daughter, her own picture, and started pasting it all around the city. She wrote something at the back. For months, she was looking for her daughter, and she didn't find the daughter. So she went back home. One day, her daughter, who had become a prostitute now, was coming down from a room, an hotel room, she was angry with her life. She hated her life and she couldn't even believe what she had become. And she was checking the mirror to see how much she had aged, maybe due to drugs and all those stuff. And she sees the picture of her mother there. And she brings it down. It's my mother. And she turns the back. And the mother wrote there, I do not care what you've done. I do not care what you have become. Please, come home. I'm here to say to somebody here today, maybe you are backslidden or maybe you are a non-Christian. God is saying to you, I do not care what you've done. I do not care what you have become. Please, come home. And what happened in this story is very, very instructive because the woman didn't, paint, didn't take a picture of the daughter or the daughter's former picture or what she's supposed to be. She took a picture of herself. Very instructive. Why? Because many of us are stuck with what we used to be. Or stuck with what we are supposed to be. God is saying, don't be stuck with that. Stuck with, be stuck with who I am. I'm a merciful God. I have paid for your sins. Please come home. We're going to pray now, but before I finish, I mentioned, I mentioned that Good Friday is a day of remembrance. So today, we're supposed to try and remember stuff. Remember what Jesus did for us. But before Jesus left, he told us to do something in remembrance of him. To take the wine and break the bread. And it's a feast that we take in anticipation of another feast that is to come. But again, many of us cannot partake of that feast because we feel like we're not a part of the family or we are probably not a part of the family. But I hope you hear the voice of Jesus saying to you today again, come home. I have funded that feast for you. 
that short life that you want, that feast that you want, I have funded it for you. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church. Love Jesus. Love people. Love Lagos.